show clearly the blues brothers not a one-hit wonder darren vaught we start every show everybody needs somebody to love i know that if not if i know nothing else in life this is another of the great tunes from that same album from that same movie very good work digging into the archives there here's where we are college basketball nfl leftovers the NBA and its trade deadline two days away. The Carolina Hurricanes are visiting last year's Stanley Cup champion tonight, the St. Louis Blues. The Canes are dangerously on the outside of the playoff bubble, kind of like NC State in basketball. Quick update from the college hoops world. Joe Lenardi, among the many bracketologists out there, has only three ACC teams in his bracket right now. They're the obvious three, and they're all high seeds, Louisville and Duke and Florida State. The ACC has not had only three teams in the NCAA tournament since the year 2000. Do you know how many members there were in the ACC back then? Nine. There are 15 now. Three out of nine was bad when the ACC had only three 20 years ago. Three out of 15 is horrific. Doesn't mean it'll end that way, but after the big three, UVA is listed among Lenardi's first four out. Teams like Syracuse and NC State that I believe can get there are not among his teams closest to the bubble. So they're not only on the wrong side, they're not even in the picture until they get another big win or two. I don't think the ACC will be stuck on three, but for now, that is where they are. You can jump in, including on the question of the day. It is lingering. We've gotten, I think, a pretty good top ten. But with Patrick Mahomes, I'm going to Disney World here in 2020 with Phil Simms of the New York Giants being the first Super Bowl MVP to utter, I'm going to Disney World way back in 1987. We asked the question, what do you think of as the most successful, well-known marketing connections to the sports world? Here's our top 10-ish Nike, Gatorade, Disney World, Winston Cup, Wrigley Field, Wheaties Breakfast Cereal, Campbell's Soup, Miller Lite, Budweiser, Allstate, State Farm, and some other insurance companies have done a great job of tying into our sports culture as well. You can be next with your answer to that question of the day, if you like, at 1-800-849-2761. Michael Lee, senior NBA writer for The Athletic, joins us in less than 30 minutes. The trade deadline is Thursday. We'll see who's a seller, who's a buyer. Andre Iguodala has been a part of NBA championship teams. He's been sitting out with the Memphis Grizzlies with the understanding that he's going to be dealt or waived at some point. So somebody, likely a contender, will pick up Iguodala. Pelicans guard Drew Holiday is among the bigger names that may be on the move. Hornets veteran forward Marvin Williams is one of that team's only movable assets and could help a playoff team. We'll see where it goes. Michael Lee will reflect on Kobe Bryant's passing and talk about the current state of affairs in the NBA when he joins us later this hour. You can be next with your phone call on the heels, the pack, the devils, or the other headlines of the day, Canes included. 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket into the program. Quickly on the NBA, one year ago, Darren, are you enough of an NBA guy to remember, I don't think it was a year ago to the day, but as we go back to your statewide phone calls on all of these headlines of the day, do you remember Mark Gasol's place in last year's trade deadline? 
Doesn't sound like the biggest name in the world. He's a heck of a big guy, pass first center, even can hit a three if you need him to. He's kind of an oak tree of a man, seven foot or so. But he's nimble, right? He can pass the ball. He can hit a three if you dare him to take a three-point shot. He, Mark Gasol, brother of Powell, was on the move essentially a year ago at this time. It was real close to last year's deadline. I remember that. Do you know what happened? What's the easiest thing to remember about last year's NBA champion? A guy named Kawhi Leonard was the MVP for the Toronto Raptors, and they got to bring the trophy north of the border for the first time. Much of Canada celebrated, even beyond the city of Toronto, obviously. Kawhi built his blossoming resume, NBA champion with the Spurs, but that relationship ended poorly. And now he's the two-time NBA champion as one of the stars in two different places. Kawhi is now at the Clippers, of course. But the first thing I think of is Kawhi Leonard lifted the Toronto Raptors to an NBA title that their whole country was able to celebrate, right? It is easy to forget, as we are now roughly 48, 48 hours from this year's NBA trade deadline, that one year ago, it did not draw the same kind of headlines as Kawhi being or signing with the Toronto Raptors, or Kawhi's amazing stretch run as a dominant two-way player. But a year ago at this time, Marcus Gasol changed the complexion of the Toronto Raptors. And he was a pass-first center, and that opened up more lanes for guys like Kawhi Leonard. But remember Danny Green stroking threes? Remember Fred Van Vliet stroking threes? Kyle Lowry doing his thing. Pascal Siakam becoming more of a brand name in the NBA. Those pieces, we're talking about the Tar Heels' bad chemistry, Cole Anthony elite talent, but as Seth Greenberg said, man, the pieces aren't fitting together, really. They're not playing winning basketball, and Cole Anthony is not clicking with his teammates. They're a bad team offensively, the worst of Roy Williams' entire career. I mean, they shot 31%, I think, last night, and their numbers for the season are truly the worst in Roy Williams' three-plus decades as a head coach. So it's not like they were clicking offensively while Cole Anthony was away, but they're not really clicking offensively with him, and they weren't really even before he got hurt. So they still need to figure out that chemistry issue. It was the exact opposite. Marcus Gasol was acquired at the deadline by the Toronto Raptors, and whatever minor chemistry issues that Toronto had a year ago at this time, they went away. Marcus Gasol was just this elixir that made all the pieces fit together better. Of course, it starts with talent, but at some point, the pieces have to fit. And the Raptors' pieces fit better than ever after Gasol was acquired near the deadline. The Tar Heels, of course, in a much different context. You're not trading players. There is no trade deadline. But in this case, you're getting a player back from injury. It's a different chemistry. And whereas they competed hard and even scared FSU for a while in Tallahassee last night, the heels were still hide-your-eyes-bad offensively overall with a lot of ugly shots near the expiration of the shot clock against what is obviously a really good FSU team in Tallahassee. The heels are going to have to get a lot better through practice now that some guys are healthy again if they're going to have any chance of being competitive with Duke much less shocking the Blue Devils on Saturday in Chapel Hill. John in Wilmington has a great answer to our question of the day. You can be next at 1-800-849-2761. Michael Lee is later. I also have a trivia question. Vernon Carey Jr. of Duke is the best player I've seen regularly in college hoops this year. 
But when I talk to my friends and colleagues in other parts of the country who are also voters, as am I, on a lot of these national awards, they bring up the big guy at Dayton, Obi Toppin, the big guy at Iowa, Luke Garza. I don't see as much of these guys. The guard at Seton Hall, Miles Powell. The guard at Marquette playing for Steve Wojciechowski, Marcus Howard. The guard at Oregon, Peyton Pritchard. All three of those guards, by the way, are seniors. When you see seniors as finalists for the National Player of the Year, you know it is not a banner year for college basketball. Seriously, people are asking about why it's different and there are not as many heavyweights and there, maybe there's more parity. Well, you can only have guys leaving early year after year after year after year, and even sometimes guys are leaving early without even being draft picks. You can only have those talent drains so many times before you just have a little bit of a step back. And I know this as we go to John and you, 1-800-849-2761. There are a lot of years where I'm filling out my 15-man all-ACC ballot. And, Darren, you know what a geek I am for that. I take it way more seriously than I should. Not quite as seriously as, say, you know, my vote as an American at a time where many people are not exercising that right. I take that even more seriously, but I take my awards votes extremely seriously. And many years... I got 15 slots, first, second, and third team, five guys obviously on each team, and I am feeling bad for the, the guys that I lead off, leave off. I'm like, oh, my gosh, these are – I have like 20 great candidates for these 15 spots, and I feel bad. I will not feel bad this year. I, I'm serious. <laughs> like, I'm running out of guys that I say, wow, that's a high-impact, high-level winning basketball player. As we go to John, you, you know Vernon Carey will be on there from Duke. Right. Duh, right? John Mooney of Notre Dame. Of course. Jordan Wara of Louisville. Uh, Devin Vassell, oh my gosh, from Florida State, underappreciated. Elijah Hughes of Syracuse, sadly a former ECU player, but he's one of the best in the league. I mean, first team probably. Trey Jones of Duke. Mama D. Diakite of UVA. I know you're on the bandwagon for all of these. You don't feel bad about any of those votes, right? No. We're not stretching or reaching at this no. point. All right, I like Amir Sims of Clemson. Don't laugh at me if you don't see him a lot. He is an all-ACC player, probably one of the 10 best players of this league. You might think I'm crazy out there. Trust me, he is a deserving candidate. There's no doubt about it. You've watched the Landers Nolly story at of Virginia course. Tech, so he'll be on there. Now, I don't know what you do with a Cole Anthony who missed so many games. His talent level, of course, I'm not sure how I'm going to process that. Is he an all-ACC talent? Yes, but... He's not playing winning basketball. He's missed a lot of games. That has to count, too. So put him off to the side. Is there anyone that you would die? Can you think of anybody? I just named nine or ten guys. Like, oh, my gosh, DG. Have you lost your mind? This guy's awesome. In many years, I'm feeling that way about the 16th, 17th, and 18th guy. Holy cow, this league was loaded. I'm getting to the second team. And for the third team, I'm starting to look at, like, some role players. Like, I mean, Dwayne Sutton of Louisville is a winning basketball player. He doesn't even average 10 points per game, you know. Merrick Dolajay at Syracuse is a really reliable two-way player. He's an 11 points per game guy. Like, he does a lot right, but that doesn't sound like, oh, wow, man. How could you leave him off? Really good player. Really good player. I think Cassius Stanley of Duke is emerging into an All-ACC candidate. I think DJ Funderburk at NC State a lot of times looks like an All-ACC guy. 
But, man, I'm telling you, I I will have the feeling of, man, who should I slide in at 14 and 15? Rather than the feeling, how can I squeeze these six dudes who all deserve it into the last spot on my ballot? It's a totally, totally different year, as reflected by only three NCAA bids in the current projections, as reflected by the weird nature of college basketball nationally, and really as reflected by a national player of the year ballot where, frankly, there is nobody like Zion Williamson and there is nobody like some of the other names on my trivia question that I'll give you a little bit later. John, welcome to the David Glenn Show. Go right ahead. Hey, thanks, David. Um, I was just going to marketing question, uh, the George Foreman three. Oh, man, how did that not come up? That's truly brilliant, yes, right? Uh, did you know George Foreman the boxer? Are you old enough for that, or is he just the grill master for you? I do, I do remember him fighting uh, yeah, you're um, yeah, you're probably closer to my age bracket. Darren, do you know George Foreman the boxer or just George vaguely, Foreman the grill master? Vaguely. Vaguely. Yeah. I mean, he was one of the great heavyweights in the world sure. for quite a long time. And there's something that just works well with kind of a chubby guy who likes to eat having uh, the George Foreman grill. Is that the uh, set it and forget it? Slogan? Was that associated with that? Or is was that, that another another cooking I'm device? I'm not sure. I might I be know. getting it mixed up with something John else, Wilmington, but. are you familiar with that phrase? I am, but I don't think I don't think that has. Uh, I, I don't. I don't recall that. Yeah, no, that's a great answer to the question of the day. We're putting the George Foreman Grill in the top ten. Wheaties cereal, Nike Gatorade. I'm going to Disney World. Winston Cup, Campbell's Soup, Miller Lite, Budweiser's, Clydesdales. I'll throw the insurance companies in there as well, and there are others. One eight hundred. 849-2761. We'll get to more of those phone calls on the other side. We'll get to Michael Lee on the NBA in about 15 minutes. Trade deadline, Kobe Bryant reflections, and other things. And I'll hit you with my trivia question, too. 1-800-849-2761. We're glad you're with us on the David Glenn Show. You like college football? It's Taj Boyd. Taj, how are you? Welcome I'm to the good. show. I'm good. Dave, man, I appreciate you having me on the show. I'm excited to be here, man. I'm excited for the question that you're going to ask. Mark Richt of Georgia, please stop taking our best high school football players, but otherwise, thank you for the visit. Last thing for Virginia Tech coach Frank Beamer. So do we. The David Glenn Show. Thanks, David. Appreciate it a lot. You got it. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Michael Lee on the NBA in less than 15 minutes. Last call for your phone calls. I do have a trivia question for you. Somebody can win a prize from our prize closet. Maybe Kane's tickets, maybe tickets to something else. Could be one of the best sports books of recent vintage. 1-800-849-2761. Let me throw the trivia question out. Willie, Kevin, and Mike won in on the NFL, sports marketing, college basketball, Carolina Hurricanes, or NBA headlines of the day. 1-800-849-2761. 1-800-849-2761. Quickly on the Wolfpack, if you're wondering about the opportunity for signature victories for a team on the wrong side of the bubble, again, UVA is close, Syracuse, NC State, Virginia Tech, whoever else you have as the next best bets to have a shot at an NCAA tournament bid at large style, the Wolfpack is at least in that mix. At Miami tomorrow night for NC State, not as big a game, but you got to win it. At Syracuse... A week from today, that's a big game because if you can win it, that's what they call a quad one win. Remember, road wins over top 75 opponents are considered just as good as home wins over a top 30 opponent, the way the quad system and the net rankings go nowadays. At Syracuse a week from today, a golden opportunity for Kevin Keats' squad. 
February 19th, Duke travels to NC State. February 22nd, Florida State travels to NC State. Now, are you going to win all three of those? No, probably not. Can you get one? You should be able to. You should be able to figure out a way to get one. Stephen F. Austin figured out a way to beat Duke and Cameron, right? Crazy stuff has happened. Nichols State beat Pitt earlier this year. The middling Pitt Panthers figured out a way to shock Florida State earlier this year. It's just like the way it goes. You got to grab one of them. You're not going to be the favorite at Syracuse. You're not going to be the favorite hosting Duke or Florida State. But those are among the Nuggets waiting for you to collect them if you want to end up on the right side of the big bracket. 1-800-849-2761. I wonder, Darren, obviously don't say it out loud. Would you know, tell me on the air without saying the names, if I said, this surprised me, and I do this all day, every day for a living, this surprised me. You know Zion Williamson was the National Player of the Year last year. Not just ACC Player of the Year, but even as a freshman, he joined that still short list of college rookies who were the best player in college basketball. Zion swept all those awards. One-and-done player, of course, for the Duke Blue Devils. Somebody asked me on a radio show the last time an ACC guy swept the National Player of the Year awards. And it kind of stumped me. That's not fun on live radio, by the way, when you're the guest and you're supposed to be the guy because I created accsports.com some 25-some years ago. I'm supposed to, of course, have all those answers at at the tip of my tongue at all times. It took me a while to remember who it was, and it was more than a decade ago, and that surprised me in itself. Would it surprise you if I said that there have been five National Players of the Year just from the triangle part of our state. So 20 years, right? Five of those 20 were from the triangle. And I mean sweeping just about every last one. There are enough varieties that maybe one here or there. But these were all consensus national players of the year. And I'm saying since the turn of the century, just to give you, representing the 20s and 30-somethings, something from your wheelhouse. Like you seriously definitely would remember all of these players, all five, one of them being Zion. Where should I set the trivia bar? You got to give me three of the other four? All four? Let's go all four. Yeah, let's Ooh. let's set the bar high. Darren Vaughn, tough teacher. Do you want to do two and then Stingy two? Stingy with the A's. Uh, I'm not sure what I have in the prize closet <laughs> right now, uh, tickets-wise, so I, I probably should only give away one. Uh, so give me... All right, you, you let's get let's say you got to get three of the four not named Zion, or if you prefer, give me four of the vi- five, including Zion, since we gave you that one. One eight hundred eight four nine two seven six one. Sports marketing campaigns with Willie and Kevin and Mike. Hugh called before even hearing the question. That takes guts. That takes Bill Raftery style onions. Hugh, is there any chance that through your very confident phone call? You were not blindsided by this question? Did you already do some research on National Players of the Year? I can give you a hint. Four of the five were four of the five were from one school here in the triangle, and one of the five was from another. Does that help? Uh, well, no, I'm driving, so I couldn't research, but I would have to say Tyler Hansbro, Shane Battier. How far back are we going? Just since the turn of the century. So you so you you already you can just say the guy who won last year out loud and that'll give you a third. Zion Williams. All right, so now you're at three. There were two more, 
and now you also know from what school those other two came. I'll even give you the years. Battier was 2001. One of his former teammates won the very next year, and a different guy won from that same school in 2006. Carlos Boozer? Ouch. No, no. 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 It was, I know who you call, I can see his face. Um. Hello. <laughs> I'm sorry, Hugh. I, do I have to keep moving? And, and now I've confirmed what's the right answer? Did I screw this up? Are the lawyers going to come knocking on my door? It's my prize closet. What do the lawyers know? I, I, some of these tickets are mine. I can give away my tickets for any reason I want at any time. That's not against FEC, FEC rules, is it? Or FCC rules, whatever. Are the lawyers calling Mike and Sanford? Uh, I don't know if you were listening to our previous call, but if you were, uh, he may have thrown some correct answers out there. Would you be able to give us uh, four of the five national players of the year from the triangle in the last 20 years? No, I'm sorry. I don't think I can answer the question. Aha, uh -huh. you, you, you may, go ahead. May I say something about State Carolina taking nine and ten minutes out in the game without any points? Oh, my gosh. That was hard to watch last night, I mean, wasn't it? Hey, you, you can't play basketball and go nine, ten minutes without any points. Without a field goal, I guess it was, right? I mean, yeah. they did have some free throws, but, yeah, it was ugly. Ugly. The Tar Heels are the worst offensive team of Roy Williams' entire life in basketball. They're just that bad, and it's mostly lack of guard play. It continues with lack of chemistry. It continues with injury issues. I mean, you can call them all explanations. You can call them all excuses, whatever, depending on what side of the fence you're on, but it is an ugly picture when the Tar Heels have the ball. Roy Williams is a Hall of Famer for a lot of different reasons. He does tend to get his teams playing better as time passes, but the bottom line for the Tar Heels, for, those, for folks who cannot – picture their schedule keep this in mind they are now they now have the worst record in the Atlantic Coast Conference so they are when you combine their 10 and 12 overall record with their ACC record they are dead last three and eight in conference play 10 and 12 overall dead last in the Atlantic Coast Conference in the combination of those two records what's left now think about this 10 and 12 overall let's say if you were somehow like I don't know, 18 and 13. That's not an inconceivable road to the NCAA tournament. But you tell me where the Tar Heels are getting eight wins against only one loss against this schedule. Duke twice more. <laughs> Good luck with that. You have to go to Louisville. You have to go to Syracuse. You have to go to Notre Dame, which doesn't have a great record right now, but is not an easy opponent, especially when you're visiting South Bend. The, the Heels get Wake twice, and that is a lesser opponent. But have you ever seen Joel Coliseum when the Tar Heels come to town, whether they're in a great year or a bad year? That it, you can't assume victories in any of these games. It is going to be brutally difficult for the Tar Heels to get to the kind of record that puts them anywhere near the NCAA tournament bubble as they go to Greensboro for the ACC tournament. You know what the only real road is? Win some of the biggest games left, win enough of the others, show up in Greensboro a much improved version of yourself after more practice time now that Cole Anthony is a part of those practices again. Again, it's the second game back but he hadn't been back for more than a small handful of practices. Roy Williams with the same personnel 
practicing over the next month could show up fairly dangerous in Greensboro, right? I wouldn't pet, put that past a Hall of Famer. Healthy Cole Anthony next to healthy Brandon Robinson rather than the guy who was in a suit last night in Tallahassee next to an improving Leaky Black with an improving Christian Keeling off the bench with a he hasn't meshed with Cole Anthony yet, but Garrison Brooks as at forward and Armando Baycott as a still improving freshman center. That's enough. That's enough. If they build chemistry, that's enough to be dangerous. But you still got to shock the world with several high-caliber wins between now and Greensboro. You got to at least hold serve and not lose too many of the others. And then you got to do a lot of damage, if not, of course, win the whole thing. And that is, we all know who the three favorites will be in Greensboro. Good luck, you know, beating some combination of Duke, Florida State, and Louisville back-to-back if it comes to that at the ACC tournament next month. It's just... It's, it's rare for the Tar Heels to be in this position. They ended up in the NIT 10 years ago in somewhat similar circumstances. Folks, the NIT is not even guaranteed this year. Ken Palm, who crunches numbers for the athletic, among others, projects the Tar Heels to finish 13-18, and 18, given their remaining schedule. That not only doesn't get you near the NCAA tournament, folks, that doesn't get you to the NIT either. 1-800-849-2761. Rich is in uh, Nightdale and has a chance at the player of the year question. Go ahead. Hey, Rich, did you get to steal answers from our previous callers? Yeah, I think I did. All right, lay it on us. Can you give us four of the five college basketball national players of the year since the turn of the century? Uh, those five all came from the triangle part of our statewide audience. Um, let's go with... Um... Start with Zion. All right. Last year from Duke, Zion Williamson. Tyler Vansborough. 2008 from the North Carolina Tar Heels. He was a junior at that point. Shane Battier. 2001 with those Duke Blue Devils. And let's go with uh, J.J. Reddick. That is correct. J.J. Reddick was the National Player of the Year in 2006. Would you like to sweep them? Who from Duke won it, won it in uh, 2002, right after Shane Battier? Point guard, now a broadcaster. Uh, I don't know if I can go with this. That's all right. You're, you're already a winner. Uh, you probably didn't need us to tell you that. Jay Williams, then known as Jason Williams, uh, was the consensus national player of the year back in 2002. That's pretty cool. Again, Vernon Carey is a candidate this year, but there's about at least five other candidates getting, if not more votes, as many votes here at roughly mid-season from the, the national guys that I know or the guys who cover other leagues. OB Toppin of Dayton's Flyers is getting the most National Player of the Year votes right now. And a big guy from Iowa named Luke Garza is getting the second most votes. Vernon Carey Jr., freshman at Duke, would love to follow in Zion Williamson's footsteps as a one-and-done National Player of the Year at Duke. But uh, he has work to do compared to those other candidates between now and when my ballots and those others are due. Duke at Boston College tonight, 7 o'clock ESPN. A lot of other college basketball options we'll get into later. Switching to the NBA, Michael Lee covered Kobe Bryant for a long time, is all over the NBA's trade deadline, which is about 48 hours away. Will the Hornets make a move? How many big names will be on the move? Senior NBA writer for TheAthletic.com, Michael Lee on all things basketball, next on The David Glenn Show. 
UNC coach Roy Williams is joining us. You are uncomfortable with your name in the same sentence as Dean Smith. I know that I will never be as good as he was in, in any way. Yet when I hear people say those things, yeah, those things are pretty neat. I, but I try to make sure that's about as far as I go. Keep it here on the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Our next guest is most known for his NBA expertise. He covered Kobe Bryant. He is senior NBA writer for The Athletic. The NBA trade deadline is about 48 hours away, and some big names may be on the move to contenders. Michael Lee recently wrote an article for The Athletic beyond basketball explaining why it was hard for him to get excited about the Chiefs Super Bowl. Wait for it. Even though he's a former Chiefs fan from Kansas City, this makes no sense to me at first glance, and that's one of the reasons I will make my first question to Michael before we get into the basketball. What the heck's that all about, Michael? Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Hey, thanks for having me. <laughs> um, yeah, um, well, you know, I'm, I'm happy in my hometown. I'm happy for my hometown. You know, I still have family members and, uh, you know, friends that, you know, diehard Chiefs fans. Um, but I, I just had a hard time, you know, really supporting the NFL uh, after the way they uh, sort of blackballed Colin Kaepernick. Um, I took it personally um, because I felt that what Kaepernick uh, knelt for, um, you know, was something that for a black man in America and someone who's had incidents where, you know, I've encountered police and had situations where I definitely fear for my life um, that I felt like the NFL did a lot to um, try to make that grievance invalid. And by crushing him and trying to wipe him from the record books, um, I took it as an affront, and it really upset me to the point that I just couldn't support the league. Um, so, yeah, uh, I was a, lo a long-time Chiefs fan, really hoping that one day they'd have a franchise quarterback, you know, that I could get behind and rally behind and have a team that could play for championships and this day arrived at a time when the NFL basically told me that um, they didn't want to hear, <laughs> they didn't want to hear um, what Kaepernick had to say, and it it, it hurt me. And even now, I'm still uh, kind of upset by how the situation went down. So I, I wanted to write about it because yeah. it kind of was a way to help me kind of get through it. Um, but uh, and, and I had a platform that allowed me to share my own personal experiences um, and things that I encountered, and also. Things that um that in that infuriated me about the way the NFL's handled it in, over the last three years. I can't imagine, given what you just poured out there, uh, and I appreciate you being so candid with us, that you received the viral video of the current president of the United States to be nice about it, taking a nonchalant approach as he listened to the national anthem at this year's Super Bowl in that viral video. Uh, that that couldn't have made you feel any better. You know, I'm I'm gonna stay away from uh, that. Um, I, I'll just say that, uh, you know, I, I feel like if anyone, you know, it d does anything as deferential as taking a knee, um, and you get offended by it, then I think it says more about where, where how you need to really evaluate things and what's actually being done. So, taking a knee is actually a respectful way of, uh, you know, staging a protest. Um, there are other things that people do during the national anthem that I've witnessed at many a game. Yep that I think uh, people would be should be up in arms about, but they chose to make this an example. And I think um, I really don't want to get too much into it, but uh, I'll just leave it at that. 
Michael Lee, senior NBA writer for TheAthletic.com. It is an outstanding website to which I also am a contributor. Michael does so all day, every day. As a senior NBA writer there, I only chime in occasionally for The Athletic Carolina. All right, what is the number one thing that you are keeping your eye on over the next 48 hours? Uh, I told the story on our show earlier today about a year ago. The Toronto Raptors were an interesting team, and then they got Mark Gasol, veteran center, pass-first big man, uh, who just seemed to make the rest of the dominoes fall into place as the Raptors ended up winning the NBA title. Do any of this year's contenders have in their sights somebody who could make a similar impression? I don't know, and I don't. I don't. I mean, I hear a lot of rumors going around about D'Angelo Russell and maybe Tristan Thompson and Andre Drummond, and there are a lot of names that are getting thrown out there. Uh, Robert Covington, I guess, but there aren't a lot of names that I think are going to move the needle the way I'd say a Marcus Saul did. And you got to understand and appreciate how rare that occurred, but what that deal was. I mean, think about think about it this way. The last time a team made an in-season trade for an All-Star caliber player. Um, at the trade deadline and won a championship with that player. He had to go all the way back to Rasheed Wallace with the 2004 Detroit Pistons. So it's very rare yeah. that you make a move at the deadline that's going to propel you, you know, um, at least from a frontline starter type guy that's going to really push you, you know, to a championship. Um, if you look at the, the championships, champions from the previous years, they never really made that move that they needed. Like, he didn't say, oh, I got to get this guy at the break to, to really make a push. Uh, the Warriors didn't need it. You know, um, the Cavs didn't need it. And words before that didn't need it. I mean, you go back, you got and you can see that, you know, a lot of teams that win championships, they already are establishing their chemistry and getting it all together right now. Um, you know, so I don't know. I think there's a lot of hype, you know, uh, just like there always is whenever you get to the draft and free agency and the trade deadline about what could be and who could change uniforms. But I think that a lot of times the impact, the actual impact of the trade deadline is, is very minimal. True holiday of the Pelicans name is out there. Obviously Andre Iguodala yeah. has that weird situation in Memphis where he hasn't <laughs> even played for the Grizzlies, but I assume, I, I, I mean, somebody's got Grizzlies pick. nation yesterday. What'd you do? And, and what is the status there? Because he hasn't played for the Grizzlies. I know one of his teammates just basically said, you know, get on with it. I'll, 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 you know, I'll teach him a lesson when he's wearing somebody else's uniform. This is a guy who has helped the Warriors, for example, to the NBA title. What does he have left in him? And isn't it almost a certainty that he will be somewhere else, whether it's by being cut or being traded? Yeah, I mean, I basically said that Grizzlies are being greedy, you know, um, and I think that, you know, a guy 36 years old, you know, it doesn't have too many more swings at yeah. it. You know what I mean? This is sort of the the last leg. If or if he has another leg, he may get one next year. But you know, they traded for him and they got a first round pick. They knew it was a salary dump from the beginning. And then, then now, anything else they get after that, it really is gravy. When you get a first round pick in this league, you have already won. So they already won by trading by acquiring Andre Iguodala, who they knew from the day they acquired him, they were he was not going to play for them. They even made an agreement that this was going to be the case. So they've held him. They haven't been able to find what they want in a trade. So now he's saying, well, I'm, I'll sit out the whole year if you don't trade me. And now people are acting like he's a bad guy for this. And I, I, I guess I can see your point if you view it from a management perspective. But I'm looking at it like this. Just because you want another first-round pick for a guy who you only got as a salary dump, 
I think you're being a little greedy. Yeah. Just let the man go, trade him to whatever for whatever you can get, and then just be gone with it, and or or buy him out, and just give him all the money because you don't need him right now. You have one of the most fun, exciting teams, uh, young teams in the league right now. You got John Morant, you got Dylan Brooks, you got um, Je- um, Darren Jackson Jr. You got Jonas Valanciunas who's playing great basketball for them. So just 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 be gone with it. You already have have won in some respects because your rebuild has gone much quicker than expected. A lot of people thought they'd be one of the worst teams in yep. basketball. They're fighting for the AC. So I, I just feel like they don't need Iguodala, and they don't need this mess. They can just cut their losses and just be happy with what they have. Closer to home, the Charlotte Hornets, as usual, are out of the playoff picture, uh, but doesn't seem like they have a lot of movable co- commodities. Marvin Williams is 33 years old. Uh, can't possibly be part of any kind of longer-term rebuilding process in Charlotte, I wouldn't think. Is is he or anyone else from that roster on your radar as the trade deadline is two days away? I think he'd be the guy that would be most likely to move, I mean, because he's still a really solid veteran. He's always been a great locker room yes. guy. I think he could come in and, you know, kind of spread the floor, and, you know, and just give a team just the, that solid, you know, locker room presence and, May occasionally hit a hit a shot from time to time. So I, I think that what he's doing right now in Charlotte is kind of wasted because you don't necessarily need him because you're you're developing a lot of these young guys. Basically, the whole what the whole rookie sophomore team is all uh, Hornets, right? Yeah. <laughs> they got a bunch of them. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, just give him a chance to maybe play for something. Uh, I think that'll be a good gesture if they could do that. But um, but if they keep him, he also can be a great guy to help these other young guys figure out what it's like to be a pro. Everyone around here was happy to see another guy from our backyard, Chris Paul, get another all-star nod. Uh, He is, of course, with the Thunder now. For a while, I saw some speculation that he could possibly be on the move to somebody who needed a point guard. I don't know where the Thunder's mind is on all of that. Is is that just forget about it, or um, is there any scenario where you could see that make sense for both parties? Well, Chris Paul messed up and turned him to a winner. Yeah. You know, he's such a competitive guy that it sort of backfired if he ever wanted to get out of there because right. he, he he does the only thing uh, but to play hard and compete. And that sort of worked in, worked against him this time because he, he played so hard and competed so well that the Thunder is a playoff team, and, you know, and a lot of people didn't think they would be. I, I can kind of pat myself on the back and say I did pick the Thunder to be a playoff team this year, primarily because I know how Chris Paul's built. I know what a feisty competitor he is, and I know how furious he is that the Houston Rockets traded him, and uh, you know, at, at the uh, in, in last summer. And I think he had a point to prove. And one of the biggest points that he wanted to prove, and that he's already proven to the Thunder, is what he told um, their coach Billy Donovan once the once the deal went down. He said, "All I know is when I'm in, I'm, I got all my feet in. I don't have. I'm not going to have one foot out the circle. Yeah. When I step in there, you're going to get all of me." And I think that's what the, the Thunder has received. He's come out there proving that he's one of the best leaders in the game. He's changed the culture there. He's made it about hard work, and he's been a great you know mentor for a lot of those young guys who now have the confidence in their ability, and they're going out there and they're playing, and they're they're making them they're turning some heads. So that's that's, that's Chris Paul's fault. He, he he's the blame. If he wanted to get out of there, he could have played a lot less hard. Last thing for Michael Lee, senior NBA writer for The Athletic. Find his work at theathletic.com. Also remember to follow him on Twitter at Mr. Michael Lee. That's M-R Michael Lee. Uh, Kobe Bryant has passed since the last time we talked with you. 
Uh, we had kind of a complicated conversation about him, celebrating him in many ways, but uh, getting into some of the other details as well. Uh, what were what are your memories? What were your thoughts when you first learned that horrible news last weekend in whatever you want to share? Kobe as the international icon, Kobe as one of the greatest players of all time, Kobe as a person beyond that, uh, whatever you want to chime in on. Yeah, I mean, I, I was hurt. I was, I was really crushed by it, primarily because we're close in age and I really didn't know, didn't know covering the NBA without him being uh, having yep. some presence, you know, in the league. And so he's one of my favorite guys to deal with uh, over the last however many years. And he always was accommodating and gave me, you know, whatever extra time I needed to tell the story. And um, I enjoyed my interactions with him. And, uh, you know, I could really think of just some of the memories that I had and, and time, things that I shared. And one story that I've shared with a lot of people and I can share with you was, uh, you know, I still remember, you know, back in 2006, um, I was out in Oakland doing a couple of stories and I decided to drive up to Sacramento to get Kobe, you know, hopefully get him one-on-one if he was going to give me the time. And I got him a shoot around. He, he, sh- I, he I showed up there. He was working out by himself. And I said, hey, can I get you for a couple minutes? And he said, sure, let me finish up. So he, you know, finished up his workout, gave me about 10, 15 minutes, told me, basically gave me this great story about how he, was tired of being compared to Michael Jordan, that people need to stop holding these the current generation to the Michael Jordan standard yeah. and all this stuff. So I told my editor I got this great story. Real quick, Michael, go Kobe ahead. Just, okay, so long story short, I was supposed to go to L.A. to cover the game. I said I'm not going to – then I backed out at the last minute. It happened to be the game Kobe scored 81 points. <laughs> <laughs> so Kobe scored 81 points three days after telling me that he got tired of Michael Jordan comparisons. <laughs> he got tired of people – holding him to that standard and he went out three days later and had a game that people now you know admire him for so i'm not saying that i get credit for it right i'm just saying that's what happened well done great story <laughs> man thanks for the time as always and the expertise on the david glenn show thank you for having me Appreciate you got it. It. final thoughts and tv picks as we come down the stretch next Kevin Harlan is joining us. It was a boring game, and the guy ran out right through the formation as if he was a wide receiver <laughs> to be a part of the play. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. You always think of calling that dramatic last-second buzzer-beating shot or a touchdown pass or, or something more historic. This is the David Glenn Show. We are coming down the stretch on today's program. And down the stretch they come. Thanks to Seth Greenberg of ESPN, Michael Lee of The Athletic for dropping by. Tomorrow's guests will include UNC football coach Mac Brown on National Signing Day, NC Central coach Lavelle Moten, who just had another big win. TV picks tonight, the Canes at the St. Louis Blues. The Hornets are at the Rockets. A lot of other college basketball, including Duke at BC, 7 o'clock ESPN. Enjoy the games. We hope you're with us tomorrow on the David Glenn Show. Mr. President Barack Obama, welcome to the David Glenn Show. How are you? David, it's great to be on. It's wonderful to, to talk to the folks in North Carolina. I always say uh, I love the state of North Carolina, love the people of North Carolina. Even the folks who don't support me down there are nice to me. The David Glenn Show.